Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce, and the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. Normally this week, I would be telling you about my experiences at fish camp. It always happens in the middle of September for nearly 20 years now. It's always been put on by Ed Iman, a well-known retired fishing guide and promoter who brings together three groups of people for a week of camping and fishing. Those three groups being business leaders in the fishing and outdoors industry, along with fishing guides and professional anglers and members of the outdoor media to include television hosts and writers and editors and bloggers and even a few radio guys like me. Unfortunately, fish camp is not happening this year. And it looks like it might be the end of the line for this wonderful event that has brought me so many fond memories over the years of fishing not only the Columbia River, but also rivers like the Deschutes and the Klickitat and the John Day. And although I know I'll be going back other Septembers, it just won't be quite the same without the camaraderie that you have at the fish camp setting. So Ed, let me say thanks for all those wonderful years of inviting me to fish camp, and I hope you're enjoying your retirement. This week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we've got some great guests for you. Our first one's going to be Eric Winther with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. We're on the final stretch for this year. It ends September 30th. He'll tell you how things went this year on the Columbian Snake Rivers when it comes to catching those fish and how much money some of those anglers are making. And he'll also let you know where you might want to go fishing to get in on the action during the remainder of this month and share some insight into where some bass and walleye spots are too. After that, we're going to talk to Jaime Rodriguez. He's a pro staffer for Max Lure and the man behind J-Rod Angling. Got to go fishing with him at Fish Camp a couple of years ago for walleye. Recorded a great segment about how Jaime matches the hatch and he's going to share that with you during an extended Max Minute. From there, we'll head to Idaho and talk to Roger Phillips, the public information supervisor for the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. He's going to give you your monthly roundup of news about fishing, hunting, and conservation from the Gem State to include a question I've got for Roger about their Bobcat Jawbone program where hunters and trappers turn in the jawbones of bobcats they harvest so biologists can find out more about these animals. We'll also have the first of a two-part series involving my best friend and fishing partner Rusty Johnston. He's going to join us to talk about our pre-fishing trip last week at Potholes Reservoir in preparation for the bass tournament. We are fishing there this weekend and boy oh boy has this body of water changed since the last time we fished it together. Just on the bright side though, the fish were on the bite. And the fishing was pretty good, and we're going to tell you more about our pre-fishing techniques for tournaments and why you might want to do some pre-fishing too if you ever get involved in tournament fishing. In addition to this, we've got the Upland Bird Hunting Forecast for you from the Beaver State of Oregon and your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week where you get the chance to answer a trivia question and win a $25 gift card from America's Premier Outfitter. Let's get things started and we'll do it the same way we do every week with another edition of Sportsman's Spotlight with David Sparks, brought to you by the Ag Information Network of the West. Even though you're up in the mountains, it's still hot. 
You're sweating. How can I make myself cool? What about damming up a little spot in a stream or creek? Jump in and ah, I've beat the heat. Well, you know what? Bad idea. Fish and game officials have been working for years with efforts to restore anadromous fish into basins. Efforts include releases of steelhead and chinook, releasing eggs, smolts, and adults into rivers, creeks, and streams in attempts to restore those fish back to healthy and harvestable numbers. Outplants of adults provide additional opportunities for fish to spawn in nature, and they need free-flowing access to spawning areas. Hear that? Free-flowing access. And artificial dams and human-caused blockages drastically limit these fish in certain areas. Fish and Game official, Connor Lease. We got a report of a man-made dam. The information we got, it was a large man-made dam that was found under one of the bridges that crossed the creek. You'll see that along rivers and creeks and stuff where folks will stack up rocks and make a side little pool. Fishing games didn't work to deconstruct the dam and take some of the rocks out and get it back to a naturally flowing creek. Because if it's not naturally flowing, there's an impact. A dam that size going across the entire creek can dramatically impact a Chinook that's migrating up that creek to the headwaters. Be cool by not staying cool in a man-made dam. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Running an apple orchard requires making all kinds of investments, and having the right partner at your side can help make sure those investments pay off. At Wilbur Ellis, we partner with apple growers to help make sure you get the most from every dollar you spend. That's why we created Allowance EA, a water-based drift reduction technology that improves the accuracy of your spray program. It helps make sure you get optimal deposition, less waste, and more complete coverage. Plus, with more precise applications, you greatly reduce the risk of unintentionally affecting any of your neighbor's crops. So if you're looking to get more from every ounce you spray, it's as simple as using Allowance EA. It's just one more way Wilbur Ellis helps apple growers like you maximize your investments. Because we believe that's what great partners do. That's the power of we. Contact your local Wilbur Ellis representative today to see what the power of we can do for you. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Gonna get up before the sun rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you bend You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It's time to check in with Eric Winther again. He's with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, and he's in charge of the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. Eric, great to have you back on the air. Hey, John. Thanks. Good to be here. For our listeners who have not been paying attention the last few years, why don't you explain exactly what the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program is and why it exists? Sure. So on the uh, Columbia River and the Snake River, Columbia River from the mouth all the way up to Priest Rapids Dam and Snake River from the mouth all the way up to Hell's Canyon Dam, we have essentially a program that pays anglers money to go and catch northern pike minnow, nine inches or bigger, because they are uh, one of the primary predators of baby salmon and steelhead. It's a tiered reward, so the more fish you catch, the more you make. It starts out at six bucks a piece for the first 25. Then after that, it goes up to eight bucks a piece until you get to 200. And then every fish over over 200 is at 10 bucks a piece. So it makes for uh, makes for some pretty good money making opportunities while you're fishing. Then of course there's a few tag fish out there too. And if you happen to get a tag fish, those are uh, $500. So that's kind of a little extra bonus on there. 
So we're not trying to eradicate the fish. We're just trying to to get 10 to 20 percent of this fish because it's a native fish. We just want to crop the population down a little bit since the dams and the river changes have bumped their populations up. We're just trying to compensate a little bit for that. Very good summary of the program there. And you can find out more about it at pikeminnow.org. Let's talk about this season because we definitely saw a significant raise for anglers, keeping up with inflation, so to speak. And we saw a lot more harvest and a lot more participation earlier in the year. We're at the end of the season now. It ends on the 30th. How have things been overall? Overall, I've been really happy with uh, the the way the uh, angling and the fishery has gone this year. Last two years have been pretty tough, just tough fishing conditions and Tough fishing conditions lead to anglers not being interested and anglers not interested. It's hard to get them to participate, and so it kind of kind of snowballs. But in this case, boy, we're back up into the normal range, especially the last month or so. We've really been kind of up at the high end of our historical catch rates harvest-wise. And so it's, it's really been a good year, and it's kind of a nice bounce back after a tough two years, you know, kind of related to the whole COVID thing. Now, I know the last two years, even the top anglers weren't making north of $70,000. Are we going to be looking at some uh, much higher pay this year for the top 20? I expect that we will, yes. There's the probably the top 10 or top 20 anglers, when you cumulatively add up their rewards, it's probably going to be definitely significantly higher than uh, what it's been in, in recent years. There's just some really good fishing going on. There was earlier, and even now uh, in Lower River, it's just really good and solid up in the snake. So it's lining up to be a good year from an angler point of view, too. And folks, you've still got time to participate in this, and it's so easy to do. All you do is go to pikeminnow.org, look at the catch rates. You'll find out exactly where the fish are biting in terms of the, the best numbers. And then go to the weigh station, register before you go fishing, then go fishing. Come on back with your fish if they're over nine inches. You'll get vouchers, and you'll get paid in a hurry. With any luck, you got a tagged fish, too, and you get a $500 fish. So, you know, this is a great time to fish this month, and a lot of folks are off to other things. They're off to either salmon fishing or they're off to hunting, but this is an opportunity that shouldn't be missed as we go on the home stretch, right? Exactly, especially in the uh, the Snake River and in the uh, area below Bonneville Dam. The late season September month is historically our best catch rates. And so, boy, the number of people is down and the fish catching is up. So it's a it's an awesome time to go out there and not have to kind of fight your way through other pike minnow anglers too. A lot of times you're the one, you're the one out there and you're catching fish like crazy and you're looking around wondering why nobody else is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to be. Hey, one other thing I want to talk about is you always publish statistics not only about the pike minnow that are caught but some of the other incidental species that also eat salmon and steelhead smolt. We're talking about the anglers report how many smallmouth bass they've caught, how many walleye they've caught, how many perch, how many catfish. Are those numbers increasing or decreasing? And what does it tell you about the population of these fish in the Columbian Snake Rivers? I think it's pretty hard to draw exact conclusions from that. I mean, there's so much fluctuation. For example, a lot of times our incidental catch goes way up early in the year because we have a bunch of new anglers that don't have their technique quite honed in for uh, for pike minnow so that's one reason but then some of the other parts of the river are just seasonal where we don't get a lot of yellow perch for example until later on in the year and here recently 
especially in the lower river, we've been getting quite a few uh, yellow perch, which is kind of cool. You don't think of them as being a Columbia River fish, but, but sure enough, they are. We kind of throw those numbers in just more as a, giving you an idea or a guideline that there's some other opportunity out there. And so not everybody, I guess, is uh, keyed in on fishing for money. And some of them would want to catch some dinner, too, I suppose. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I'll uh, tell you what, folks, uh, probably the place to go to, especially for smallmouth bass and walleye, throughout the season is probably down at Boyer Park, uh, south of Pullman, they're pulling in all sorts of smallies and wallies down there, aren't they? Absolutely. And I would say that that, on the walleye front, that that's something that we have seen change over the years because it uh, wasn't too many years ago that you didn't see a whole lot of uh, walleye there at uh, Boyer Park. And, and now we certainly are. And so obviously a little bit of change on that. But, yeah, those, those make for an awesome meal, too. <laughs> oh, they certainly do. Uh, a lot of folks, myself included, say they might be the best freshwater fish you're going to catch, at least the best freshwater fish with white meat that you're going to catch in terms of eating quality. All right, any parting shots you want to share with folks before the season ends on the 30th? Well, I guess I would just say, you know, if you've been thinking about giving the Pike Minnow Program a shot and just haven't found the time, boy, this would be a awesome time to go out because your chances of success are, are really good. The river's in great shape as far as, you know, it's not high and muddy and the anglers are catching a bunch of fish. So your your odds of catching them are, are pretty darn good. And if you catch them, then maybe I'll get you to come back the next day or the next year. So uh, get out there and give it a shot. That was a great parting shot. Again, folks, the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery, your opportunity to go fishing have fun, make money, and help conserve our salmon and steelhead runs, too. Eric, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Hey, thank you, John. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafood. That's the family-owned company that delivers premium wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. We're talking salmon, including Copper River sockeye salmon, the best there is. We're also talking about sable fish and halibut. Everybody loves halibut. And don't forget their shellfish. They actually have oysters available right now. Now, we are talking about Pacific oysters harvested by Safety Cove Shellfish Farm in the deep cold remote waters of Simpson Bay, Alaska in Prince William Sound. These oysters are suspended at a depth of 20 to 40 feet to ensure a cold, clean, and pure environment that yields up the highest quality meat. If you want to order them, the website to go to is SenaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SenaSea.com. Check out the fresh oysters and other seafood available all harvested and handled with care and delivered right to your door for you to enjoy a wonderful meal. The website again, cnc.com, and don't forget to use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. Rise above us, got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you pay a little float, I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. 
Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. It's time for another Max Minute, brought to you every week by Max Lure. Today we're coming at you on the water, on the Columbia River near the towns of Arlington and Roosevelt. I'm fishing for walleye with Jaime Rodriguez. You can find out more about his walleye fishing prowess at J-Rod Angling on Facebook and on YouTube. Jaime we're doing something interesting today. We're fishing for walleye. We're using spinner worm harnesses, but you are not using a store-bought product. You are literally matching the hatch. Why don't you tell our listeners more about what you've got on your line and what it's supposed to imitate? So what's great with the Max products is you could emulate the juvenile hatch. What I have on my line is a mimic of a small shad. And that's perfect because this river is chock full of shad right now. And that's exactly what you've done. You've got a a smile blade and a bead. And then you've got a hoochie, something you don't usually see on walleye rigs. But the coloration is perfect with that green and that white. And that movement really is going to literally mimic these juvenile shad that are swimming all around us. And that's all we're trying to do out here is mimic the forage. We're going to give the walleye something that they're already feeding on, something so they could easily attack and possibly feed on. You follow it up with a night crawler, and you're a big believer in scent too, aren't you? Yes, especially when you have a walleye that doesn't really want to commit, that scent will definitely get them to the boat. And if you were to pick one scent above all others at this time of year? I'm going to go with the trophy walleye with the UV flash by max well there you go folks so if you have the time consider buying some of the components from max lure you can find them online at maxlure.com in terms of smile blades beads hoochies pill floats and more match the hatch to match the forage that these walleye are feeding on you're probably going to have a lot of success doing so thanks Jaime. thank you john Walleye anglers all over the Northwest are raving about the new Smileblade Spindrift Walleye Lure made by Max Lure Company. Lance Mers is with us here to tell us more about it. This lure is fantastic. We've got the patented Smileblade. We've got a pill float that keeps it just off of the bottom where the fish like to bite. And that Spindrift hook is absolutely phenomenal. You can tip it with any kind of bait. Tip it with a crawler, tip it with a leech. Whatever you tip it with, it's going to catch more fish. It's the Smileblade Spindrift Walleye Lure only from Max Lure Company. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallawa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallawa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallawa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallawa County. Plan your visit today at WallawaCountyChamber.com. That's WallawaCountyChamber.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, 
public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Welcome back in to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It's time for our monthly check-in with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game to see what's going on in the Gem State because there's always so much going on when it comes to fishing, hunting, and conservation. And with us here again is Roger Phillips, the Public Information Supervisor for the agency. Roger, great to have you back on the air. Always good to be here, John. As usual, we've got a lot of interesting things to cover. And the first one is some Information about Lake Murtaugh. It's located south of Murtaugh. That's between Burley and Twin Falls. And you're looking at maybe putting tiger muskie in there. This is interesting. Tell me more. Well, you know, I hate to use cliches, but I will in this case. We're, we're kind of trying to make lemonade out of lemons here because we have a nice lake that has an overabundance of, you know, carp and chub and suckers. And, you know, a lake can only support so many mouths. So, what we're doing in this situation is putting these tiger muskies in. They're, they're a really voracious predator. There's going to be a good food base for them and hopefully establish a bit of a trophy fishery there. And for a little background, we've had some real success with this in some areas and not as much in other areas. So it'll be really interesting to see how this goes. We're going to put some smaller ones in there. It might take a few years for them to really get in and get established. But, you know, with any luck, we could have some big tiger muskie swimming around here in the next few years. Well, that'll definitely be a fishery that's going to attract some people. The tiger muskie, known as perhaps the hardest fighting freshwater game fish in North America, and also known as one of the hardest fish to catch. They call them the fish of 10,000 casts. Let's turn our attention to the upland bird season that's opening up this weekend, the 17th, and some suggested areas to go for chucker, quail, and Hungarian partridge. Yeah, you know, we uh, opened up our uh, grouse season on August 30th, and this is kind of the next big opening day. And for chucker quail and huns, which are always really popular birds, what we tend to see early in the season is, you know, as we know, things are a little bit hot. Some of these birds are a little bit young, and dogs don't necessarily like hot weather. You have a little harder time sniffing these birds out. But we're looking forward to a good season, and we have a real long season for all three of those. And, you know, full disclosure, we don't do a whole lot of surveys to know whether this is going to be a good year or a bad year. But, you know, interestingly, wet springs tend to be pretty good for birds, which we had. But it's kind of like the farmers say, we want just enough rain and not too much. Right. And that's kind of the same thing with our bird populations, because heavy rains can kind of knock back some of those young bird populations. So it'll just take us a little while to kind of figure out what kind of a season we're, we're looking at, but lots of opportunities out there. Hell's Canyon has always been really popular for chuckers and, you know, the whole Snake River Basin. And so some hunters will get out there and see how things are and let us know how it goes. Where do you find quail in Idaho? And I presume these are California Valley quail? Uh, yes, California quail is our main one. We have a few scattered um, bobwhite around the state. But typically, you know, quail are around our agriculture operations, around farms, ranches, things like that. And we also see them. And when you kind of get into the arid country, when you get down to the creek bottoms and, and river bottoms, you can find them down there as well on public lands. All right. Another 
short season that is opening up. This one on the 24th and the 25th is a waterfowl season specifically for youth hunters and veterans and active military members. I like this. Is this a new season for all three categories? We've been doing the youth season for a long time, and we got the ability to add uh, military and veterans to it here a couple of years ago. We've been doing that. It seems to go pretty well. And yeah, it's an opportunity, especially for those youth to get out where you don't have kind of a mad barrage of opening day. Give them a chance to get out when there's a, you know, fewer people out there. And, you know, the, the dads and the uncles and the grandpas can just specifically set things up for the kids. And then obviously, yeah, our veterans and our military have the opportunity to take advantage of that as well. And, you know, we found that, you know, there were some concerns about some crowding and things, but we haven't heard a lot of complaints about that, so we think this is working pretty well. Well, and, and I hate to say it, there's just so few people statistically that have served in the military anymore or that are serving in the military these days that, yeah, I don't think crowding is going to be much of an issue except maybe around, you know, places like Mountain Home where there is an active military base. Yeah, and I think that, you know, this is a situation where there's enough room for everybody that if one person shows up and sees somebody else there, they don't have to go 100 yards down the bank. They can go 300 yards or a quarter mile down the bank, and everybody will have the opportunity to hunt. Absolutely. And the great thing about these September hunts, folks, is good chance to get after some teal, which I don't care what people say. They might be small, but they are sure fun to hunt. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of funny. We all sit around and hoping for cold weather, you know, to bring the birds out of the north, but those teal just show up, you know, rain, shine, sunny, hot, smoky. Doesn't matter. They're going to be here in September. Absolutely. All right. I want to talk about something that that I've never heard of before. This is really interesting. The Idaho Department of Fish and Game has a bobcat jaw collection program. What is this all about? And what are biologists learning about bobcats in the gem state from this program? You know, that's a really good question, and, and unfortunately, we don't have, like, a looking glass that can look into any population and count every head in the state so we know exactly how many we have. So this is a perfect example of how we use different things to collect data on populations, and a jaw tells, and it can tell a biologist an awful lot. It can tell the age, it can tell the gender, and some other things, and through that, we can get a pretty good understanding of do we have how many young in the population, how many males, how many females, and kind of get a snapshot of what that population looks like. And that gives us a baseline. And then we can see over time, are we harvesting fewer? Are we harvesting more through trapping? And does that population that are being trapped still look the same? So we can detect changes in a population through things like those jaws. And we do that with a lot of different animals that are really hard to keep track of. You know, you can't just go out on the the ground and look and say, okay, I see three this year and (laughs) five last year. Well, that doesn't tell us a whole lot. I mean, how many bobcats do you see when you're out in the woods? So, again, this is an opportunity for biologists to to take information from those jaws and, and understand more about that population and the population dynamics. Well, I think it's a great idea, and you're right. The bobcat is one of the most secretive animals. I have seen a grand total of one in my entire lifetime in the wild. Okay, let's talk yeah, about something I'm, else. I'd like to get your take on this. We're actually seeing a pretty darn good year for sockeye salmon, fall chinook, and steelhead compared to last year and recent years. As a matter of fact, 
all three categories were, were well over double. I mean, way over that on the Sockeye, but I think we're like double on Chinook and Steelhead compared to all of last year. What's your theory as to why this is happening, and what's the impact on anglers out there? You know, first, obviously we're not catching sockeye yet, but it's really good news for our sockeye program because it's really struggled in the last few years. And if nothing else, it just kind of gives us a breather and we get to see a lot of sockeye come back and we ensure that we have plenty of them for, you know, future generations. And then with the false chinook and the steelhead, you know, I hate to use just say ocean conditions because that's like saying it's because of the weather. You know, it, it's, it's, there's more to it. But we do know that, you know, we every year see data coming out of the ocean. And it, there's a bunch of indices that we use, and I don't understand it all. But basically, where we used to have a bunch of yellows and reds, which are bad sign, now we're seeing yellows and greens, and we're seeing better returns coming back. So that is a big part of it. But it's always a combination of when we have the... the good spring. We have decent water supplies, which we've had reasonably in the last few years. We have decent flush of water out to the ocean, and then those things hit a decent ocean out there that's habitable for them. Then we see them coming back in pretty good numbers, and that's especially with our fall chinook. The last few years have been done really well, and boy, I wish I could tell you this is why we're having these improvements, but I can't tell you pretty, you know, honestly that these things tend to be cyclical, and we're hopefully we're on a bit of an upswing. Hopefully we're coming out of the basement and we're climbing up the stairs, and we'd like to see that for the next few years. But, you know, we just don't know, and we're going to be hopeful, but at the same time, we're going to be realistic. Well, in the meantime, folks, should be some good opportunities for you salmon and steelhead anglers on the Snake River and on the Salmon River, too. So take advantage of it as the seasons open up. And, oh, yes, the clear water. We can't forget the clear water. On that note, we have got to go. But, Roger, always appreciate all the information you share through your agency on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. John, it's always a pleasure. I love being here. back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. You're about to hear part one of a two-part series you're going to hear over two weekends. And this one is once again about a bass fishing tournament at Potholes Reservoir. I'm fishing it with my best friend, Rusty Johnston. And today, we were out pre-fishing the tournament a week prior to the event happening. Rusty, great day on the water. It was fun. Great to be back on the show. Let's talk about the importance of pre-fishing an event as opposed to showing up blind. Why do you want to get out on the water a few days early? Well, the conditions change, especially here with the irrigation. That's where most of the water goes, and the water is as low as I've ever seen it on the Potholes Reservoir right now. Oh, it certainly is. The last time you and I fished, it was a tournament, and it was at full pool, 27,000 acres of water. Now... This lake is down 22 feet, and I understand it's because they're making repairs. They had to lower the water level so low because they're making repairs to one of the boat ramps near O'Sullivan Dam. Is that right? That is right, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that we had to deal with here. You know, normally people are going back into the sand dunes to go fishing, and there was literally no way to get a boat back there. No, I mean, with some of the spots that we normally fish, I mean, we were in 
a foot to eight inches of water and there was no way to get back there that we found and even crab creek was that way too it was very narrow very narrow indeed and this is going to make the lake a pretty small lake for not just our tournament but there's another club that's fishing the tournament too next week so there's going to be a lot of competition for the obvious places people want to go yeah, I mean, the fish have no place to go. They're coming out to the main lake, so it's just a matter of finding them. And, I mean, we're fishing a small pond now instead of a big reservoir. It's going to be interesting. But, you know, we did find them, and I'm not going to give away exactly how we did, but I'll give you some hints. One of them was looking at certain levels. So a lot of times you'll find bats up shallow, and they definitely were not shallow today. No, they weren't. We were finding them anywhere from the 12 to 14 foot range, but on the edges of shelves where there was a little bit of water movement with the wind, because we did have some good winds today. So with the water movement, the bait was coming off the edge. And if you throw up shallow, bring it down that face is when we started finding the fish. The other thing you want to do when you're pre-fishing is have a list of places to go based on success during the pre-fish. And we actually came up with three good options for us because we found three good places the fish were really biting well. Yeah, that's pretty good for us. But yeah, (laughs) it it was a good day. We talked about it on the way to the boat ramp and started out and we started finding fish. It's also important to note that when you're pre-fishing, you're eliminating water too. I learned this from Bassmaster Elite Series angler Chris Johnston when I got a chance to go out with him on a practice day and he didn't catch a fish for an hour and a half. And I said, are you upset by this? He says, no, all I'm doing is eliminating water. I'm not going to fish. And we did that too. We went to some places where we thought there was going to be bass and parts of the lake where we figured they ought to be. And it was a desert. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things, and that's exactly it, is you got to get rid of the water that it doesn't hold the fish because of the water levels are changing. So you got to find places to try and look for new water. Well, as long as weather conditions and water conditions don't change too much, I think we're in pretty good shape for next week. And it was definitely a reaction strike today too, wasn't it? It was. It was primarily, I mean, I try to in a sense a texas rig with a grub and no luck and we're using shallow divers maybe seven foot divers ten foot divers and that's what was picking up the fish right and we also picked up a a really nice small mouth on a 20 foot diver and some rattle trap action too or i should say berkeley war pigs those lipless crankbaits also got us a few fish yeah they did they were working well because they're so easy to work off those shelves because you can control them so well Bottom line, folks, is we're confident. Maybe we shouldn't be based on past performance, but we're actually going into this tournament more confident than ever. Again, it's the Old Farts Tournament, where at least one angler has to be 40 years of age. We have no problem making that cut at all. Wait a minute. And how much do you think it's going to take to get in the money? What do you think? I Top two, I would probably say is... Unless somebody really finds them where they're stacked up, I'm going to say 14 to maybe 16 pounds will do it. I'm going to say 15 to 18 pounds. So we've got our work cut out for us. So we did catch, boy, we caught probably 16, 18 fish today. And we did catch four good quality bass that uh, would have gotten us close to money if we could have gotten one more. I you know, Easily. Uh, I think we probably would have been about 12 right now. I'd say 12, 13 pounds is what we would have brought into the scale today. But again, we weren't fishing these places to death. We were finding them. And that's another important part of pre-fishing. You don't want to pound them. You don't ever want to win the tournament pre-fishing because you don't win anything. Exactly it. I mean, they're going to reload. I mean, those spots will reload. But, you know, the bigger fish, they're the smart ones. That's why they're the big fish. 
Right. So we're giving them a whole week to rest up. You know, they were all caught and released. Uh, some of them were not even brought in the boat and just released at the side of the boat because we want to do the least amount of damage so that these fish and their buddies will be biting next week. I can't wait, Rusty. Oh, I can't wait. I'm probably going to have sleepless nights for this. One other thing I should mention is that Mardon Resort, this same weekend, and this is the weekend you're listening to this show, is not only hosting the old Farts Bass Tournament, the Mount St. Helens Bassmasters are also having a club tournament, and the Mardon Resort Annual Dock Tournament is taking place, too. So the lake's going to be pretty darn crowded, but I think it's going to be pretty darn fun. It's always fun getting out on the lake, but it's a great time to be out there and just fishing. And if you want to get out here, folks, highly recommend it if you're looking for places to stay. Of course, there's Pothole State Park, but I've got to recommend my favorite place, Mardon Resort. They've got not only a swim beach and the docks you can fish off of as a guest. They've got one of the only boat launches you can actually use to get on the lake. They've got a store that's well-stocked with not only fishing tackle but groceries. They've got a putt-putt golf course. It's all sorts of fun. And they also have the Beach House, which is a great bar and grill. Serves up a real nice food, and you can also get a drink out on the patio in the evening too rusty thanks so much for sharing this with us today let's go get them next week i'm ready to do it it was always fun fishing with you bud next on northwestern outdoors radio we've got the oregon upland bird hunting forecast for you courtesy of the oregon department of fish and wildlife we'll start off with forest grouse where populations may be scarce in certain areas this fall due to poor weather during hatching there should be a good carryover of adults but time will tell whether the hens were able to successfully renest. Hunters should find plenty of adult forest grouse in the Cascades and the Coast Range. Your best bets for east side forest grouse hunting are found in the Wallawa and Blue Mountains of Northeast Oregon. When it comes to pheasants, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a very good year in eastern Oregon, likely due to poor hatching conditions. Hunters can still find birds in the Hepner, Umatilla, Mid-Columbia, and Harney districts, but the birds continue their long-term decline in the Malheur district, driven by reduced habitat more than environmental factors. Western Oregon pheasants remain in certain margins of agricultural land, but generally speaking, they are hard to find. We've got better news about the California Valley quail. Their populations are in good shape. They are well adapted to the desert environment as long as they can find a water source. Production was generally up in most districts, though the Malheur district was down somewhat. California quail are most abundant in Harney, Malheur, Grant, Hepner, and the Mid-Columbia districts. Finally, chucker, known for their large annual population fluctuations, will likely have an above-average year with quite a bit of variation along the way. In particular, the Baker portion of the Snake River is showing very strong populations, and the Malheur district is indicating greatly improved populations from the previous two years. Overall, chucker were down in the Harney district, but biologists believe chucker populations are better than the survey counts actually showed. Finally, the Mid-Columbia District is reporting strong chucker populations on the John Day and the Deschutes. So, definitely a mixed bag, but looking pretty good as far as quail and chucker goes. Good luck if you're hunting upland birds in Oregon this fall.
Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wingbeats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Pheasants Forever is working hard every day to ensure there's more wildlife habitat for the future. To join us, go to pheasantsforever.org. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. We were just talking about upland birds, and you probably won't be surprised to find out that the California Valley Quail is the state bird for California. But what about the ruffed grouse? What is that the state bird of? This one's not so easy. I will give you a hint. It is not in the Northwest. You're going to have to head east for this one. But if you know... What state the ruffed grouse is the state bird for, you know what to do. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Like and follow our page if you haven't done so already and give us your answer on our post thread or just shoot us an email. You can do so through our website at northwesternoutdoors.com. And while you're there, I hope you'll check out the links to our sponsors too. Without their support, we wouldn't be on the air, so I hope you will support them too. The website again, northwesternoutdoors.com. And the question again, the ruffed grouse. It's a state bird, but what state is it? One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse, which has the ammunition you need for grouse and quail hunting, as well as quality hunting boots and apparel you'll need for going for those long walks with your dog looking for those flushing birds. 
It's time to start wrapping this show up, but I hope you'll wish Rusty and I some luck as we do our best to win the Old Farts Bass Tournament this weekend on Potholes Reservoir. We'll let you know how that exercise went next week on the show. Until next time, here's hoping you get out there during this month of September. The fish really are on the bite, whether you're after trout or walleye or bass and salmon. And don't forget those hunting opportunities too, especially for upland birds and some early archery deer and elk in some of our states and we've got some youth hunts coming up as well and if you're not into hunting or fishing this month well there's always hiking and this is a great month to be on the trail before the snows come in and the temperatures are mild and you can really start enjoying the fall foliage that's turning already in the high country and on that note we've got to go so until next time do take care god bless and make it a point to spend some time outdoors outdoors 